everyone and welcome to season two episode 14 of the big at the back podcast although we're not on the unlucky number 13 i think it's proven that neither of us know what we're talking about in fpl so there is absolutely no reason to listen to this podcast and our opinions are all completely wrong matt how are you well i think you've summed it up pretty well there uh, 13 was unlucky for me in terms of my fpl performance for the week uh, but yeah, it was a bit of a, a mad weekend with my puppy being in hospital on Saturday night, so that was fun. So in terms of catching up on football highlights, I've done very little other than the actual live football that I watched over the weekend. So as dangerous as this, I'm relying on you to carry this podcast this week. Okay, this could be an interesting podcast. I watched quite a few of the games, <laughs> though, so we can see if we can scrape through with everything. Um Talking of FPL then, bad week for you by your account. So what what was the what does a bad week look like? So a bad week looks like a 43 points, but there's a, a four-point hit in that as well. So actually down to 39, it's quite a bit below average. And red arrows all over the place, um, like the red arrows in the sky. But my only real points came from defenders. Uh, it was a good week for defenders with 10 teams keeping clean sheets in the Premier League. So big at the back is alive and well, everyone. We can turn that life support off. <laughs> so Pope and Trippier both with six points. And despite me thinking I brought Eric Dyer in, turns out I didn't. I brought Ben Davis in. Um, so I got six <laughs> points for him either way. <laughs> Goes to show I have no idea what I'm doing. And then... Basically, twos and threes all round. Cancelo, McAllister, Anthony, Martinelli, De Bruyne, Edward, Captain Haaland for four. And then my only attack in return came from Mitrovic with seven. So, yeah, it was not a particularly good week for me. Uh, Ward on the bench, another clean sheet, but it wouldn't have made any difference. And Andreas was my first sub and he picked up five. But, I mean, it would have made little difference to the grand, to, to the overall picture. What about you? Well, where are you uh, sitting for overall rank at the moment? We're, what, 11 game weeks in, 10 games in. We can probably start talking about that now. Nah, let's not talk about that. Go on. Where where are you sitting? Uh, 1.3 mil. Pardon? 1.3 mil. 1.3 mil, yeah. That is incredible how tightly packed it is then. Um, How many points do you want overall? Good point. I am on 6.13. Wow. So I'm on 649 overall and I'm overall rank of 344k. So a million points, points a million places, sorry, ahead of you and separated by like 30 points, 20 points. So it's really, really tight. That's one good chip, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had 51 points this week, minus four for the transfer, so 47. Um, yeah, the double Newcastle defence coming off. Johnny, my move uh, for a minus four paying off as well. Um, Kane and Mitro, the only other ones to return, but Kane with nine points, jammy, jammy, jammy bonus points there as well. I did take <laughs> one hit this week or last week, sorry, but it it's ended up okay. And I'm in a, I'm very excited for the next game week, which starts tomorrow. Before we get into that, though, let's look at the results. So start with the Friday night game, Brentford to Brighton nil, and just as you move Ivan Tony out. He puts in a performance like this. Yeah, so I took him out before last week's games for Edouard. And in that time, he scored three and two. Edouard matched him last week with a goal, but was a blank this week. So Ivan Tony really 
really ruining my Friday night. Brighton looked a little bit off the pace. They just weren't really at the races. Brentford did well to keep them quiet and obviously bagged themselves a penalty with some absolutely horrendous defending. Uh, I can't even remember who gave it away now, just kicking out, trying to get to the ball, but there was a man in between him and the ball, so you're only ever going to take the man. Yeah, I just think overall, Brentford at the sharper side, home. I think home advantage really played into their hands because the crowd was up for it. Friday night game under the lights, it seemed to really pay off, but I just think... I don't know. Is, are the wheels coming off a little bit at Brighton? I, I find it difficult to think so. I mean, Raya made seven saves this game, which is incredibly high to kick the clean sheet. Two bonus points. But I think it was just one of those games where the keeper really, really had an awesome game. As a comparison, Sanchez to Brighton made zero saves. So Brighton were very much the better team watching this match. It's just they weren't able to convert any of the chances. Trotsard looked really quite poor in this game but in general uh, two goals for Tony yeah you can say they were jammy but he still has to get on them and the only players to have more goals in 2022 than Ivan Tony in the Premier League are Kane and Son so he's third at the moment for goals in the Premier League in 2022 so far I wonder if Haaland will overtake him Tony's first goal I think was very well taken the little flick behind mm-hmm. through the legs like that is a sign of a man that's like confidence is flowing through him at the moment so I obviously picked a really good time to take him out <laughs> he was miles ahead on the BPS as well 54 on the bonus point system uh, even which... with a yellow card even with a yellow card, which knocks off about five or so. So it's really, really, he had a really, really good game. Um, in terms of assets, looking at Brentford and Brighton, uh, the fixture difficulty rating, Brentford have Chelsea in the next game, but then you've got Aston Villa, Wolves and Forest. You're probably holding for those, if you've got them at the moment, especially if you've got Tony, you're probably holding him out all the way to that Man City fixture in 16. Um, Brighton... They've got Forrest at home next. A lot of people talking about captaining Trossard. I don't really like it, but I get why people are doing it. But then they're away to City, a rested City at the weekend. And then they've got Chelsea at home. So I, I don't think you should be bringing in any Brighton players at the moment. What, what's your take on the potential Trossard captaincy for game week 12? Just based on his performance on Friday night, he was hauled off when they were chasing the game. I think that goes to show how poor, poor his performance really was. He just offered nothing but that being said Forest at home is probably the the prime fixture in the league at the moment so if there is ever a time to do it this would be it I don't see it myself I think there are still better options out there who I'm sure we'll get onto as we talk a little bit more but I mean that Brentford run of fixtures basically up until the World Cup now disregarding Chelsea this midweek but even though even then Chelsea can still be gotten at I feel mm-hmm. um, and then right up to that City game before we break up for the World Cup that run of three games in between those two that's probably your time because this is when Ivan Tony is going to try and be staking his claim for that World Cup squad. I know it's announced um, quite a bit ahead of time, but he's three in his last two. If he wants to keep that momentum going and stake his claim for a World Cup place, this is when he's going to be doing it. So maybe he's your guy. I would be holding any Brentford assets at the moment. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, let's look then at the early kickoff, which was Leicester nil, Crystal Palace nil on the Saturday. And my God, what a rubbish game of football. Just... <laughs> Genuinely, probably the worst game I've watched this season uh, and probably for a little while. 
not just this season, going back as far as I can remember, it was dreadful. Nightmare in FPL as well. Um, Madison picking up the yellow for diving in, on 94 minutes, meaning he's suspended for game week 12 when people were essentially down to a bare 11 already. Um, so just a really, really rubbish start to a Saturday for so many people. Um, Ward with the clean sheet is probably all you can say. I think it's also, I found it quite funny, in the bonus point system, uh, Ward was in the top three for both sides. For uh, <laughs> uh, Third for them with 22, and Palace's Ward with second for them with 31. Thought that was a nice little stat. But overall, you're not bringing in anyone from either of these teams right now. I think Zaha looks absolutely toothless in this game. Yeah, he did. He looked like he struggled. Like, Palace's front three, four, five of whoever was on the pitch at that time because they did, Vieira chopped and changed quite a bit. Mm. Um, they just really look like they've struggled for creativity. You'll see Ward made one save in the game and that was from Edward and it was actually quite a good save. Um, it came through the legs of the defender. Um, Guaita with six saves, but I don't really recall any of them being particularly outstanding saves. There were shots from distance and things like that. Um, he wasn't really tested too much. But yeah, just a game of defences on top, but no one's really got any defenders. I mean, people have got Mitchell, but he came off before the 60-minute mark, so with uh, what looked like a bit of a knock, so we'll see how he comes out of that game. Yeah, it's been very frustrating being a Mitchell owner because that's twice he's come off before the 60-minute mark. Um, but yeah, really rubbish game of football, and if you've got Madison, you're taking him out for the next game, almost guaranteed. Um Next game, Fulham 2, Bournemouth 2. Now, I watched this game and Mitrovic is back. He's back with a goal, but the star of the show is your favourite player, Dom Solanke. What are your thoughts on his goal and assist versus Fulham? Still a terrible footballer. Still don't bring him in. Just a waste of time. Not worth it. I mean, Bournemouth have been keeping clean sheets at home, but this being away from home, they still managed to pick up a result here. The next game is Southampton at home. So, I mean, a bit of a local derby there. But then they've got uh, West Ham away, Tottenham home, Leeds away, Everton at home. It's not an easy run for Bournemouth. So I don't think you're looking at any of the assets. Um, Fulham, next three are Villa, Leeds and Everton. I think I'm going to be holding Mitrovic and Andreas. What, what are your thoughts? Because I think you've got them both as well. Yeah, I've got them both. Uh, obviously, they'll both be starting this week with uh, the way the fixtures have lined up and, and the blanks. So I think you're probably holding both sets of players at the moment if you've got them. I mean, let's be honest, you're not going to have many Bournemouth assets. If you've got anyone, it's going to be Solanke, I'm sure. So you're not going to be dropping in before Southampton. Um, even West Ham potentially can be gotten at as well. So, and let's be honest, if you've gone to Solanke now, you're not moving off him when he's returned in his last two games. So, um, as as for Fulham, it, as you were, like Mitrovic getting points, Pereira still an absolute bargain at the, the price that he ended the season at, and no one's going to be dropping him now purely based on his output. So, yeah, they're both definite holds for me. Worth noting that William hasn't started the last two, which means Pereira is back on set pieces. So that worry we had a few weeks ago, now that William isn't starting, it seems to be okay. So, so what we're saying is William will start this midweek. Exactly. And Andreas Pereira will not. He'll be rested. Um, let's talk about the next game, which was Wolves 1, Nottingham Forest 0. Um, I only saw the highlights of this game, but both teams 
I mean, it's two really, really poor Premier League teams. Let's be quite frank. Wolves aren't at the races. Forest are Forest. But the fact that Forest lost what was essentially a six-pointer should be really, really worrying for them. And Johnson missing the penalty as well. Saar getting the save. Um, I brought in Johnny for this week. Uh, so he kept the clean sheet, which I was happy about. But again, I feel like there's not really anyone that has assets for either of these teams. Are we underrating Saar as a keeper between now and game week 16? Because they he keeps clean sheets, he gets saves. They've got Palace, Leicester, Brentford, Brighton, Arsenal. Now, it's not the easiest run, but it's not the worst either. Yeah, I mean, Wolves just seem to be a bit of a boring team at the moment. Yeah. So they're not scoring a lot. I mean, I think they've still scored the fewest goals in the league this season. Mm. Their XG is one of the lowest as well, but they are, if anything, if if nothing else, they are well organised, um, and that's about as much as you can say for them at the moment. Mm. So I, I don't know if you're sleeping on them necessarily uh, defensively. I, I don't think you, there's any keeper that you would be in the same sort of price bracket. You'd be moving out for him. So yeah, I mean penalty save. Obviously, that is uh, a clean sheet plus penalty save is always going to throw your points well up. But I can't see um, like Palace if they're, I mean, to be fair, if Palace play like they did on Saturday lunchtime, then they'll probably keep another clean sheet. But I can't see him being that bad two games in a row. And then Leicester, potentially a clean sheet. But like I say, who are you going to move off of him for? Like if you've got Pope, you're not going to be moving off of him. If you've got any other sort of, even, even like the likes of Sanchez or anyone like that, I, I don't see that you're going to be making that move. Oh, I do. I think if you've got Sanchez, moving to Saar is a good option. Don't get me yeah, wrong. but I mean, let's be honest. How often do you change a keeper during the season unless it's for an injury or a wild card? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I tend to keep, think of keepers as set and forget. That's why I've had Pope all year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Sanchez to Saar is something worth considering, though. If you're going to change a defender, why not a goalkeeper as well? Um, true, yeah, but uh, the highlight Edison. of this. What if you've got Edison and he's blanking in this game? I mean, if you've got Edison, why have you got Edison in the first place? Because there are three better City assets out there. Well, he's been triggering along getting six points for five million. Six points a week for five million. It's not a really bad choice. But in general, I I would be looking probably at Pope as a replacement. But I I think there is something to be said for Sarah if you want to go a bit differential. Yeah, no, I I can see what you're saying. I think it, it... I, I don't know. The highlight for me, for, the, the highlight of me for this game was the social media back and forth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Playtime's over. <laughs> that was excellent. Top, top marks to uh, all social media team for that. You know, as soon as Forrest posted that, they were waiting and waiting yeah. and waiting and just hoping that they won the game. Completely. Um, let's talk then about the late kickoff, which was Spurs to Everton nil, which. I don't know, I watched this game and there was just a real lack of quality from both sides. Um, Kane getting the penalty, there's been quite a bit of talk on social media, but we know it's not a dive because he's England captain. Exactly. England players don't dive. They just make the most of the situation. Despite all evidence to the contrary, despite what our eyes and brains are telling us, English players do not dive. It's well known in this country. In the Premier League, English players don't dive. Egyptian players, if they're Egyptian, then they dive all the time. If they're Senegalese, they dive all the time. If they're English, they don't. It's don't forget Italians. Italians oh. love to dive. 
Oh yeah, Italians love to dive. Um, so I, I actually did think it was a penalty this one. Actually, um, I think it was a clear penalty. People are making the most out of Kane diving because he does dive all the time, realistically. Um, but I, I just don't think there was much quality in this game. I thought Spurs controlled it well. Everton looked so so bad. They are back to the Everton of last season and they got what they deserved out of this game, which was absolutely nothing. Um, I know you watched at least the first half of this game. So what did you think of it? Yeah, I actually did see uh, most of this game uh, in between sort of cooking dinner and things like that. But it was, yeah, I just think there was that lack of quality. Um, most annoying thing for me was I needed one more Son shot on target to, to win a bit of money. But at once again, for the second time in three weeks, he let me down. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the penalty, yeah, it was a penalty in the end. There's, there's been that reverse angle shown and Pickford's head does go into sort of Kane's thigh. So I don't think we can really argue too much with this one, despite all as, as funny as it would be if it was a dive. And then just a sort of a lucky second goal, really, with a bit of a deflection from Hoiberg's shot. Pickford all... Pickford overall had a fairly decent game, made some good saves. Um, he's sort of, in the last few weeks, he's really sort of staking his claim to, to get that England number one back uh, because it is going to be between him and Ramsdale for the World Cup. So it's going to be interesting to see which way Gareth Southgate goes on that one. Mm. Um, but yeah, just think in general, um, not the best game, not the most entertaining, but I think that can be said about most games this weekend, to be fair. Uh, well, uh, except the last one, but we'll come on to that. Um, Spurs-wise, I've got Harry Kane uh, and I had Son, but I didn't see anything from Son in this game that justifies having 12 million invested in him. So I've moved him out and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Jumping ahead to the Sunday games then. uh, Chelsea 2-0 over Aston Villa. Two goals scored by Mason Mount, uh, which means he's got his two goals. He's had his big performance. Now he's not going to do anything for at least six weeks. So naturally, I've brought him in. <laughs> Makes sense. It's an absolute. It's now's the time to do it. But no, the. Um, I mean, how how did Tyrone Mings not get the assist for the first goal? Oh, ridiculous, isn't it? Um, I really, really think Aston Villa were probably a bit unlucky here. Kepper made seven saves, which is more than you expect a Chelsea keeper to have to save. Um, but interesting, Kepper getting the start over Mendy as well. Is Mendy injured? Uh, no, it's been the last few weeks since Potter's come in, really. Kepa's been been playing. So this is, I think, the third game and third Premier League game in a row that Kepa's started. Um, I think Mendy's been on the bench. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, he seems to, Potter seems to favour Kepa. Mm, interesting. I think, though, we've still got the pottery to contend with. So I don't think you're looking at Chelsea assets. Aston Villa, I've got Leon Bailey just as a cheap bench warmer. But he'll be starting this week. Um, but... That's more down to lack of options. I don't think there's anyone else at Aston Villa you'd be looking at, right? No, definitely not. They mm-hmm. um, they look in a real state at the moment. Yeah, it feels it's... like it's only a matter of time before Gerard's going to go because the fans are now calling for his head. And once that starts, it's very, very difficult to get back from. Yeah, he's just kind of trudging along, isn't he? Um... Yeah, I think the thing... I was listening to the Totally Football Show last week and basically they said... He's been in charge about a year now, I think, hasn't he? Um, and you still couldn't tell me what a Steven Gerrard side looks like. Um, even at other teams down the 
bottom end of the league, like Steve Cooper, Forest fans buy into his vision of the football team and how they should play and what they should do. Um, same can be said for like Leeds when they were struggling under Bielsa or someone like that. As long as you've got a manager that you feel like you can get behind and you know what they're trying to do, you've got half the battle done. But with Gerard, it just feels like they're just coasting along. The best thing he did was sign Coutinho and he went on that little run, but he has been rubbish for, well, back half of, back sort of a couple of months of last season and all of this season so far. Um, he was dropped at the weekend and obviously didn't make any difference. So, yeah, I think probably only a matter of time before we see a managerial change at Villa. Yeah, unless he does turn it around. What are the fixtures looking like for Villa? Let's have a look. They're not too bad. So, Fulham, Brentford as the next two. They've got to get six points there, realistically. Because um, after that, it's Newcastle away, Manu at home, Brighton away. So, the next two have got to be six points for Aston Villa and Steven Gerrard. Otherwise, he's in real, real trouble. And you, you can't see it happening because Fulham and Brentford are two sides that have found a little bit of form. Fulham... With Mitrovic, I feel like he could give their defence an absolute nightmare this week. Yeah, well, he gives every defence a nightmare. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Leeds nil, Arsenal one then, because the only bit of real, the only real talking point I think from this game was that bit of absolute quality from Saka. Um, really, really nice finish from a lovely Odegaard assist as well. It's a shame no one owns Arsenal players at the moment, but I think as we're looking at game week thirteen. Um, I'm a bit toing and froing about whether I want to bring in Saka or whether I want to bring in Foden because I think Saka is in that conversation now. He's in really good form. He's returned quite a few in his last couple of games. It's a shame we can't own more Arsenal at the moment than just Martinelli, but I really think Saka is on the table for me. Can I not tempt you with a Martin Odegaard? No. <laughs> I, I love Martin Odegaard as a player, but too often he's the guy that assists the assist, not the guy yeah. that takes a shot on. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. He's, he's your guy that slots the ball through to the fullback, making the overlapping run on or the winger who then pulls it across. Um, so he is a fantastic footballer. He's just not necessarily the best FPO asset, which I discovered to my detriment earlier in the season, despite that one big haul he did have. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely the highlight of this game was it being delayed for ages because of a power cut <laughs> causing uh, the referee's communication system to go down. So they were a good sort of 30 minutes delayed, uh, which must have been fun for the fans at Ellen Road. So ridiculous, wasn't it? So ridiculous. Um, but, you know, at least it was entertaining. I think Leeds acquitted themselves quite well here. I think they the moment of quality separates an Arsenal, but I think Leeds are probably going to be fine. I don't think you're looking at them from the FPL side, though. Um, Man U nil, Newcastle nil. And this is an entertaining nil-nil. Um, I think both both teams tried, but neither really could penetrate the other. Uh, interesting to see Diego Dallo getting three bonus points from here. Uh, he seems to be a bonus point magnet for Man U. If they don't concede, then Dallo is probably going to be up there in the same way Cancelo is for City. Are we sleeping on him? Uh, yeah, well, I definitely am because I went for Malassia because I thought he was a better attacking option. And since I brought him in, Shaw's been starting every week. That was stupid. <laughs> yeah, but I like to think outside the box. I'm not boring like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was... Yeah, the, I mean, definitely the funniest part of this game was Ronaldo's disallowed goal. So yeah. they had a goal disallowed for offside, 
Pope puts the ball down to take the free kick and then Ronaldo just takes the ball and puts it into an open net, disallowed, and then he gets booked for protesting. I mean, if you think someone who's played as much football as him would realise what he was doing, that he wasn't going to get away with it. Yeah, I mean, worth a try. I quite liked it. I thought it was a cheeky attempt. But yeah, uh, completely. Interesting to see Bruno Fernandes getting a yellow card as well. He's probably he's only a couple away from a suspension now, so worth keeping an eye on. Not that anyone has him on FPL. Anyway. The man loves a yellow card. Like yeah. he just, even if it's not for a tackle, it's for moaning at the ref or it's just for something stupid like dissent. He is a yellow card machine. <laughs> he used to be an absolute FPL dream machine, but now he just gets loads of yellow cards. Um, Double Newcastle defence, looking good. Shame uh, Pope only got two saves. Would have liked a third to get that one more. That would have put him into the bonus points. Uh, but then Trippier would have lost one. But overall, not really complaining too much about that. Now, the next game, Southampton versus West Ham. And after Southampton scored that wonderful first goal, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I just... I don't know where to start with football anymore. I mean, so bad. There's arguments. There's arguments of a foul throw. It looks like his foot is quite a bit on the pitch. So, but that's by the by. The ref then blocks Bowen, who's trying to get back into position, which also then doesn't help us. Suchek loses his man. Uh, whatever it was. Oh, I, I hate football. But then, <laughs> um, I mean, overall, West Ham. I think, especially in the second half, were by far the better side, created the better chances, were knocking on the door. Um, Fabianski had far more saves in this in, in this game, but I don't mm. think that necessarily tells you the story. West Ham were the ones knocking on the door a lot more, uh, which I think sort of showed you from the bonus points as well, um, all the bonus points going to West Ham players. Um, and Declan Rice showing once again that he is um, an absolute baller, not just offensively, mm-hmm. but going forward, because that one too with Ben Rama getting into the space and bending it into the far corner was a beautiful goal. Um, the only thing for the, me in this game was Skamaka had like three or four chances um, and all sort of just went the wrong side of the woodwork. Um, you'd expect him to be taking at least one of them uh, with the ability that we've seen that he's got. So a little bit disappointing there for me as a West Ham fan. But yeah, I think again, overall, it was just this game lacked that little bit of quality, which we've said about most games so far this weekend. Yeah, well, you certainly can't say that for the next game, just on the basis of Liverpool 1, Manchester City nil. Now, what a game this was. Even when it was nil-nil, it was one of the most entertaining nil-nils I've ever seen. Both teams absolutely going at it, hammering song. Um, From a Liverpool standpoint, and I'll talk about Liverpool first, Fabinho had his best game of 2022. Um, He was outstanding in that CDM role and he was acting like the Fabinho we fell in love with in 2021. Um, Thiago very good as well in that midfield, but Liverpool look a completely different side when Diogo Jota plays. He just brought so much more to our attack than we've been having and he inspired everyone else to be much better. Robertson coming back as well was great because he looked like the Robertson of old. He was playing brilliantly, really stifled Cancelo down that uh, side. Um, really, really, really good game. Allison with six saves and picking up the three bonus points, I don't think tells the story of the game necessarily because I don't think City had that many clear-cut chances compared to Liverpool. Um 
But overall, excellent game. And Mo Salah with the winning goal after a six-minute hat-trick in the Champions League. Is he? I think Salah's back. He could well be. Um, I think. I mean, the main the reason Allison's picked up the the bonus points is an assist. So, oh, I mean, when a goalkeeper when a goalkeeper gets an assist, that's going to be massive on your bonus points. Um, the only real really good save I can remember was one from Harland down low to his right hand side, which was a good save. It came through a couple of bodies, um, but it was one you'd probably expect him to make as well. Yeah. So. Um, Edison with just the one save, even though it should have been two because he did make another save that went wide, but the uh, goal kick, the, the referee gave uh, a goal kick rather than a corner. Um, but yeah, like you, you were saying to this to me yesterday, with Salah looking to play more central again um, and the way the team sort of gelled around him, it looked like Klopp tried to mix things up as much as possible with the formation and where people were playing. Um, he threw a couple of surprises at us, but... If Salah's going to be playing through that central role in the next couple of weeks, then he's definitely one to, to be considering again. And spoiler alert, I brought him in for the first time this season. So mm-hmm. that is the main reason. I needed to move out of City asset anyway. So it just seems sensible that now is the time to go to him. Uh, yeah. It was interesting, I think, as well. I think um, the referee deserves a lot of credit in this game. I think for the two sets of fans, it could have been frustrating. But he, as a neutral, he wanted to let the game flow and play as much as possible. He they, he let things go that maybe were fouls. Um, yeah. But yeah. overall, I think in general, it worked. It was probably even for both sides. I don't think either set of fans can go there and say, actually, he gave more to them or more to them. Yeah, I think he was letting clear fouls and actually clear yellow card fouls for both sides go completely unpunished, so not even free kicks. I think the ref was actually quite poor, and I get he wanted to let the game flow, but if people are committing yellow card fouls, then give them a yellow card, or at least give a free kick, for God's sake. Um, So I'll disagree with that without thinking the ref was harsh either way. Um, I think that's probably the best you can say about the ref. Um, Bernardo Silva was absolutely everywhere. He was really, really good um, this game. And KDB just went missing for this game. Like I've seen him absolutely tear Liverpool to shreds in previous games versus us, but he was just absolutely missing. Thiago marshaled him expertly and he didn't have a sniff. Um, I think for City, the Bernardo Silva was the one driving them. So could KDB be fading out a little bit? Is he getting tired after starting so many games in a row? Possibly. But I think as far as City assets go, the best one is obviously still Haaland. Cancelo is still there. And then I would say probably Foden as we come into game week 13 and beyond. I wouldn't really be looking at KDB when you've got those other three. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right as well there. The only sort of time he did have a little bit of space in a dangerous area was when he just clipped that ball over to Haaland um, and Haaland headed it straight at Alisson um, but the only problem there was he was a little bit too central to make that angle for the ball so Haaland had to pull a bit wider which made it much more difficult for him to be able to really work Alisson but I think you're definitely right in terms of those City assets Foden seems to be the one at the moment alongside Haaland who's having a lot of shots getting in those dangerous positions so what will probably happen is come the weekend Haaland uh, will do nothing, Foden will do nothing, and De Bruyne will score four like he did in that game against Wolves last season. That sounds exactly like it's going to happen. Um, with that in mind, then, we have got the midweek fixtures, so the deadline is Tuesday at six o'clock, so make your changes now. What's your team looking like? Because we've both made our transfers. 
yeah, my so my team is not too dissimilar to last week. Um, obviously, just the city assets going down. So, and I have made one transfer. So, my start in eleven, which is my only eleven, uh, unless I want to change my keeper, which I don't, is Pope in goal. A back four of Mitchell, Davis, Trippier and Malassia. So whether I get four defenders actually playing there is, is remains to be seen. Um, a midfield four of McAllister, Anthony, Pereira and Salah. And then a front two of Edward and Mitrovic. So it will, I'm going to, well, it's got to be Salah captain for me. Um, as a West Ham fan, at least then if he punishes us, I don't really care. Uh, he has got a very good record against West Ham as well in general. So he always seems to pop up with at least one goal against us, if nothing else. So that is it for me. Unfortunately, I won't be able to watch the game because I am at a, I'm the best man at a wedding on Wednesday. So um, the groom is a West Ham fan. A lot of the, the the party are West Ham fans. So we might just have to sneak off somewhere and watch it on our phones. <laughs> there is a, considering whose wedding you're at, there is absolutely no chance you don't end up watching that game. <laughs> Cool. So I've actually taken a minus eight this week on the basis of it's going to be a lot more fun owning Salah in that West Ham game than it is owning Human Son for that Man United game. It's worth the extra four point hits. Um, with Madison being out, I had to take a four point hit anyway. But yeah, now I just thought I'm going to have a lot more fun with it and just go a bit balls to the wall. And if it doesn't work out, at least I can say I did what I think would be enjoyable. So I've got Pope. Uh, so my goalkeeper, then a backline of Mitchell, Trippier, Johnny and Robertson, who I've transferred in. Then I've got a midfield of Liam Bailey, Salah, captain, Mason Mount and Andreas. Then up front, I've got Kane and Mitrovic. And I've got Keira on the bench as well to come in if someone doesn't play. I'm hoping he doesn't, though, because I'm hoping Liverpool score an absolute hatful. Um, but these midweek fixtures are looking exciting. They're looking good. Uh I'm sure you and I will be speaking about them the whole time and the whole way through. Um, but the games end on Thursday, and then we've got another tight turnaround for the week after that, game week 13, which starts again on Saturday. So no rest for the wicked here. Um, from your perspective, anything else you want to tell our avid listeners other than the fact that we don't know what we're talking about? No, I think... This season is sort of been a learning experience. It's been a very below par season for me. I think there's so many more options out there. Um, and a bit like how we said with last season, where it feels like you're on a knife edge with a choice and it goes one way or the other. And I seem to have been on the opposite end of last season, where a lot of my choices were just coming off uh, for me, whereas this season they seem to be going the opposite way. So um, if you're in the same boat as me, just keep plugging along. Don't get too frustrated. It's a game at the end of the day. Try and enjoy it um, and just do what seems fun. Do what comes like, unless you, like, it's not as though you're staking hundreds of pounds or anything on it. And if you are, you probably should get help. I mean, I definitely am. Um, but yeah, <laughs> another day. Um, yeah, I totally agree. A lot of these decisions are 50 50 decisions that often swing heavily wrong way. Um, but worth noting that I was ahead of Matt for about 30 weeks of last season and then he started getting those decisions his way and came back absolutely roaring and ended up finishing ahead of me um so 
it's a long, long haul. It's still possible. And make sure you are enjoying it all of the way. If there's, if you're going to have more fun taking a minus eight or a minus 12, do it. Don't hesitate about it. Just think about what will make you enjoy the football more because that's what it's all about. If you want to chat to us about it, we're always happy to. You can find us on Twitter at Big at the Back. Yep, and you can find me on Twitter at Higgins92 and Tom is at TomMadden92. Uh, don't be a stranger. Come and get in touch. But as we have proven time and time again, if you're going to do anything, take our advice and do the complete opposite. Sounds about right. Cool. Good luck in the Red Week games, everyone. We'll speak to you all soon.